Amen. So we're going to start covering the section. This is lesson eight. We were supposed to go from the 32nd chapter of Genesis all the way through portion of the 36th chapter. And um, I'm going to say this since we, we really kind of skipped the review. I want to just say this about everything we've seen. What do we know about Esau? Because it's something know about Esau, right? That he rejected his blessing, right? And that had long-term ramifications. That didn't just have short-term ramifications, right? Because now the blessing rests on Jacob. Jacob's already had an encounter with the Lord. Now the Lord is ordering his steps. Now the Lord is telling him to go back to his home country, okay? Away from Laban. Laban's been discharged by the Lord because the Lord said, don't careful. You don't say nothing good and you don't say nothing bad. Make sure that you don't do anything out of the way. Okay. And so we know now Jacob's blessed and now Jacob's coming back to see Esau and he's going back to the promised land. And for the 32nd chapter, um, we, it says that he had an encounter with God, right? And now, this is important because he's evidently seeing God from a perspective of a manifestation of an angelic host. Some might say that it actually was Christ himself that appeared before him. I'll leave that to your determination and revelation because the scriptures don't come right out and say that. I personally believe it was Christ, but I'm not going to go there with anybody who would say otherwise because the scriptures aren't emphatic. It just says that he met with God. He met with some the angel of God. Amen. And so these encounters are important, right? They're important for future encounters. But let's look backwards. Who else saw the angels of God, right? And recognize them. There's nowhere in scripture where they say they walked up to Abraham and said, I'm the angels of God. They recognized him. Okay, now let's fast forward also to Jesus when he slams the Pharisees. And they said they were children of Abraham. He said, you children of Abraham, but you don't act like Abraham. And for that matter, now they don't act like Isaac and they don't act like Jacob either. Because something about the appearance of the angel of God that distinguishes him in such a way that he's identified. He's identifiable. And Jacob recognizes him as the angel of God. And so he meets the angel of God. He's told what he has to do. He's got to go back to the home country and look at, look at, look at Jacob. What's Jacob do? He starts laying the foundation. He starts using his own ability, right? You know, J J Jacob's a smooth operator, right? So he's going to use his own ability to, to, to affect his brother, right? It'd be in the 32nd chapter, right? He's using his own ability to affect his brother, but he gets a report back. He's trying to bribe his brother, basically. He's trying to entreat his brother. He's trying to humble himself to his brother as a method of, you, do, you, you see how Laban did that, right? You see how Laban did the similar kind of thing? Oh, why should you, though you're my relative, work for free? Oh yeah, you want to pay him, but you don't really, really want to pay him. So you can see Jacob is already in his natural skill set looking for how to deal with his brother, but he gets a message back, right? That Esau is coming and he's bringing 400 men with him. So his heart now is in fear, right? He's anticipating that he's going to miss out. He said, 
anticipating he's going to be, uh, end up in a violent encounter with his brother. And it says, in fear and distress, he divides the people into two groups so that they can, so that if Esau attacks one, the other group could possibly escape. Now, what, now, does that sound like he's concerned for his personal life? This decision, was this a decision for his personal life? If I divide the groups into two, but he attacks the camp that I'm in, I could still die. What does that second camp do for me? What was he concerned about in dividing the two camps? He was concerned that he wouldn't come again. Oh, go ahead. He was concerned about the lineage. He was concerned about the lineage. That's correct. Yeah, I was going to say so they wouldn't come up against the promise. Exactly. So he's got the promise in his heart. Something that wasn't in Esau's heart, right? Esau was concerned about himself. We got to see that typology, the typology of an Esau and the typology of a Jacob. Jacob was not so concerned with his natural ability, for he had been promised something from God. He had been promised something from God. What do we learn from that? When we're promised something from God, and we know that we're promised something from God, our focus should be on the promise, not on our personal interest, or even our personal well-being, because the promise is greater than us. Now, what's beautiful about God is, though he gives us a promise, right, and though the promise is greater than us, he always arranges that the promise also blesses us. So Esau sought his own blessing off his own strength. But that's kind of ironic, right? Because his strength was not his own. He was given that by God. He didn't go work out somewhere and become a super strong man. He was born with a lot of natural ability. So the strengths came from God anyway, but he took the natural gifts and wanted to rock with those gifts, ignoring the promise. So he seeks the face of the Lord and the Lord encourages him again. And he spends the night there. And when he spends the night there, he ends up in an experience wrestling with God. So I'm going to first put it out there. Does anybody have a feeling about what was that whole, what's, what's the symbolism of him wrestling with God? I'll take the orthodox and I'll take the personal revelation. Remember, we got to talk about it from a standpoint of orthodoxy and a standpoint of personal revelation. What do you think that whole wrestling with God had to do with? I feel like it's like the same, like the same um, prophecy or something at, like the same prophecy God gave. Was it Rebecca when He said two nations are inside of you? They're, you know, because they were fighting, and um, the older sister, the younger, and whatnot. And it's, and you see that, and reading that, you see how what Esau did is causing this 
is just bringing this division and this, you know, um, this 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 war between um, these two uh, nations, and it's like the and it's kind of just what he says here about. Um, he said, "Your name shall be uh, no longer shall it be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with um, God and with man and have prevailed." Um, so that to me is almost like um, a, f- a foreshadowing of just how everything plays out between Israel and um, the fight against everyone else um, or the strive against every other nation trying to overtake. Uh, in, but Israel always prevailed, but they, it was always a fight. It was always a fight. Amen. 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 Anybody else want to share on that point? I was thinking perhaps in wrestling wrestling with uh, his own inner struggles and him wanting to be uh, you know, boss of his own life and then he came to the end of the wrestling then he realized that he wasn't going to prevail, you know, that the angel said, let me go. And um, that's when his life was changed. So what I like, somebody else was going to share something. <laughs> yes. yes, I was going to say um, more of a, what some of us actually go through um, in our walks now um, of that wrestle of our will and God's will not wanting to um, relinquish our will at times, but then eventually understanding that his will prevails anyway. So you need to fight all you want, but eventually <laughs> you had to submit to that thing. So that's, that's what I am. Um... Praise God. And it sounded like, uh, K.O., you were gonna say something? Yes, Apostle. Uh, you can just call me Keo, not K.O. But uh, <laughs> you, know, you be KOing, you be KOing spirits, so I have to. Uh... <laughs> no, I, I believe that um, when we wrestle with God, it's, that's when God is really trying to. That's when we die. That's when I call dying daily, and that the reason why He changed His name because as we shed our skin, He became a new creature. So that's why He told Him, "You're no longer Jacob, known by that name anymore. You're going to be now." Um, Israel. So therefore, I think that's what that whole thing was about, how he wrestled with himself and no longer, now you're a new creature. So now I want that, I want Jacob to die and you become something new. So I think that's what he was wrestling with, the, 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 the new identity that he was given by God. Like the fact that he was, he's, Jacob has the promise. The promises became like a covenant between the word the the word wrestling and him changing his name to Israel um for me it's like you know they're because Israel ended up constantly wrestling with God and it took them hot what 40 40 400 years 40 years 40 or 400 oh what was it it depends on what you're counting oh in the desert or just however long it took him to get to the promised land it yeah. took him because they they were literally just wrestling with God because it you know because they they would surrender for a little bit 
And then as soon as they didn't hear from God, they would go back to their own um, um, uh, um, idols and whatnot. And then they would get led into exile. And then it would pray and God would save them. And then, you know, so it was a constant battle of not fully uh, surrendering to uh, to God. And so it just, so that word wrestling and Israel is that for me, that's what stands out the most because they, they just like they they wrestled, Israel did throughout the entire word, they wrestled with God. It was a struggle. God had to constantly try to keep the, because he made a promise, he had to, there, he had to keep it. He had to keep them small and keep them in line because everything needed to happen the way it needed to happen in order for the promise to happen in the New Testament. And it was a struggle. And even even in the the families of even in the families, we see it starts off a little easy with Abraham, whatnot. And the more we keep going, and when we just read how then the sons, and then they just keep getting more and more. You know, it just keeps getting more, it just keeps getting a little bit uh, crazy. You start to see the actual um, um, wrestle that they're actually wrestling with. Um, with um, a, 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 Isaac, oh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were, were um, I feel like we're, we're okay. But then you see the sons are starting to, hard to, you know, start to keep, have, be fully like walk like Abraham walked. They, they 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 all end up wrestling a lot with God. Praise God. And what before everybody anybody else comments, I want to share this. So what's beautiful is here's what is awakening in you. And there was a time probably in your life where you read the word two-dimensionally, right? So then this didn't even make sense. Why would God be with Jacob? Why would God come down as a man and wrestle with Jacob? And what do you mean he couldn't out wrestle him? God could out-wrestle anybody. What the, but you see, now you're already looking at it from a standpoint of meaning. So this is an aspect of God's personality. He never does anything without a meaning. Everything he does is purposeful. So now you're no longer looking at it two-dimensionally. You're trying to find a prophetic typology. You're trying to find a meaning. You're trying to understand it beyond the natural text of God came down as a man and wrestled with Jacob. You're like, just gotta mean something. It just, it, it's not, it, it's gotta mean something. It's gotta have a meaning. And so we, we're, you're, you're getting these prophetic typologies. Now here's the thing I wanna hit you with. Don't be so rigid <clears throat> inside your prophetic typology, not to allow your ongoing learning in the word to modify your understanding of that typology. What I mean is, a, a lot of your typological assessment comes from your current understanding of the word. As you continue to grow in your understanding of the word, you also get more perfected in your understanding of prophetic typology. Let's use the, let's use the nation of Israel. Let's use the apostles for an example. Up until probably they got hit in Pentecost 33 CE, they were convinced that Christ was bringing back the kingdom in a natural context in Jerusalem, running out the Romans and reestablishing the kingdom of old. Because their 
understanding of prophetic fulfillment did not allow for any greater understanding in that area. So today you may have this interpretation of, G, of Jacob wrestling with God. But one, we started out with an understanding of what somebody gave us. We had a pastor, the pastor shared us with us his interpretation of it. Whatever that is, we took as gospel. We didn't have our own understanding of it. We didn't seek the spirit on it. This is the definition of the scripture. This is how come you have so much what I call cognitive dissonance inside the church today is they can read a scripture and totally misunderstand it because they don't expect to interpret scripture. They expect the pastor to interpret scripture and give them the interpretation. Then they rock with the interpretation that the pastor gave them so that even if they read and the color was red, if the pastor said really it was blue, they believe the color was blue because that's what the pastor said. So you've already left that world now. You're no longer in that world. You're reading it now and saying, wait a minute, I have the ability to discern prophecy too. I know something about my dad's character as well. I too have the spirit of the Lord and I too have a vision of how I see this. What you have to be able to do now, the next step is being able to question even your own interpretation as you grow in your biblical wisdom, because as the spirit feeds you more wisdom, you might go, wow, I thought this was this, but now I'm starting to think this might have meant more of that. So I heard, you know what? It's a prophetic symbolism of what the nation of Israel ultimately becomes. And somebody else might say, well, it's a prophetic symbolism of the fact that God was affirming that Christ was going to come. Because really, at the end of the day, Israel is the bride of Jesus at the end of the day. Ultimately, Israel's the bride of Jesus and the two become one. So there's a whole lot of typological viewpoints that could be had. But what's beautiful is you're no longer just taking somebody's word for it. You're reading the scripture for yourself. You're reasoning in the spirit on your own and you're seeking a wisdom beyond the letters on the page. That in of itself is a victory. But like I said, the next victory is being able to allow God to correct you in the spirit as you gain further spiritual knowledge. And the spirit intimates that you had it kind of part. Remember Apollos? Remember Apollos? Apollos was fire-filled, right? But he didn't have the gospel down perfectly. He said Aquila and Priscilla ran into him and heard him preaching, but his preaching wasn't complete. They took him in confidence and gave him a more excellent understanding of the gospel. Apollos went on to become a great teacher to the point where even Apostle Paul wanted him to travel behind every one of his church, travel behind his church plantings and educate the people after he planted the church. So it's beautiful. Anybody else with any other interpretations of Jacob's wrestling with God? Yes, I do. So um, one of my... Um, favorite parts is really this because I like the fact that um that we finally get to see a different um part of God's nature which is Jesus Christ and so the reason that we you know a lot of people try to you know you, they want to say that it's not really scripturally sound that this is Jesus and the Bible isn't clear on this but if you look in Jude and you and you hear Jude talk about the people being um pulled out of the uh, pulled out of Egypt and they said Jesus led them out of Egypt well if you read in the Old Testament 
um, it talks about the, the angel of the Lord going before them. And so then it talks about in Jude that Jesus was the one that led them out. So anytime that you're hearing about this angel of the Lord, you're always hearing after the fact that I have seen the face of God and I did not die. I have wrestled with God and I did not die. So you're understanding that this angel of the Lord is not a regular angel of God. It is actually God in human form or angel or angelic form, his glorified form. And so the reason that they say that this is Jesus Christ is because there are other instances in the New Testament where it is revealed. But Jude is one of those scriptures. If we are not trying to look at the the, the full the fullness of it and go into the full depth of it, where you can kind of see that this angel of the Lord is truly being named um, and given a name and given and given the name of Jesus Christ. So here we find um, Jacob wrestling with God. And what I like about this is that in all of Jacob's fear, we find here his true nature, right? So Jacob name um, means heel catcher, or it means behind, or it means um, um, to circumvent, or it means to overreach. And so you have these this this name that has this meaning. And so from the beginning, um, in his brothers, in his mother's womb, he was always overreaching. He was always taking the thing that God had already predestined for him. We realized that the prophecy came before the birth, so there was no need for Jacob to catch the heel of his brother and pull his brother back in the womb because he was already the child of the promise. So you find Jacob consistently in his life taking the very thing that was always promised to him. And so now we see him here you know, meeting the angel of the Lord and he's still acting like the heel catcher. Well, I have to take my blessing. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. You can't leave here until you bless me. It's like he he's he's wrestling with God to take to get something. And and God is is coming in form to break that very nature. And so it says that he wrestles with God until the morning, but we understand that this angel of the Lord is supernatural. And this angel of the Lord allows him to wrestle with him when we realize in the end, all he had to do is really just touch his tendon and get him all out of whack. So he chooses, God chooses to wrestle with us. God chooses to come up against us in the fight. God chooses to come to our level and fight with us and go against us so that he can break things on the inside of us. There is an intimacy about God God here, where God, instead of just breaking him through other people and breaking him through other means, God says, your calling is so great. I'm going to come down and I'm going to break you myself. I'm going to allow you to wrestle with me. And when you realize that you can no longer take me out, I'm going to break that nature. And then I'm going to rename you. And so then we, we see the renaming of Jacob and that renaming now what a lot of scholars mean of believe it means is God fights. And so if you take that, you take Jacob, not only uh, Jacob's name, Israel, not only mean, meaning God fights, but also the, the nation of Israel, the promise. And you realize there's two things here. Not only is God fighting against the nature of Jacob and the nature of Israel, but God is also fighting for 
Jacob in the nation of Israel. So we find that God is fighting on two behalves. God is God is fighting to break something in Jacob, but God is also fighting for Jacob because Jacob is sending all of these things ahead of himself. He's sending all of these 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 animals. He's sending all of this wealth because he wants to be seen by his brother. He wants to be forgiven by his brother. And God is showing us here that there is nothing you can send ahead ahead of you that is going to um pay for the forgiveness that I have already established because what we find out is that Jacob's brother had already forgiven him he was like what is all of this mess I, I didn't even want I've already forgiven you so a lot of times we're sending things before ourselves we're paying our tithes and there's there is a reason to tithe but we're paying our tithes as a way to ask for God forgiveness we're walking in obedience as a way to ask for God's forgiveness we are um giving up of ourselves and giving up relationships as a way to ask for God for, for God's forgiveness. But the truth is the only thing, the only reason that we're doing it is because we are afraid that if we don't do something, we're gonna lose our life. And God is saying, I've already paid for it. I've already established the forgiveness. You don't have to pay for forgiveness that was already given to you. And if Jacob would have consulted God, because remember, he, he is saying, he's talking to God as if God is the God of Abraham, God is the God of Isaac, but God had already established his covenant with Jacob before this. So Jacob had already had an established covenant with God. He could have prayed directly to God, but now he is praying to the God of his, of his um, father, the God of his grandfather, and then saying, oh, in the God that I encountered here. And so we see so many things in like this wrestling part. And so that's, that's what's happening with Jacob. But we also see this same typology, like apostle likes to say, transfer over to the nation of Israel, because not only is the nation of Israel a lot like Jacob, as in they, um, they fight with God, they go before God, they constantly put themselves, um, to put themselves in places where they can feel like they can bless themselves or they can overreach for the blessing. Um, there is a trickery or, or a disobedience about the nation of Israel that comes from Jacob, right? And then we also have God fighting for Israel, even though Israel is is constantly disobedient, God is constantly fighting for them. Even though they constantly feel like they have to pay or put themselves in a position to get um, to get forgiveness, God is always also forgiving them. And so we, we see this typology transferring over to the actual people of Israel. So that fighting, that whole fighting scene um, means a lot, but it also, it also shows that one last thing that I really love about it, it shows that before Jacob was able to go into the promise, before he was able to transition, he had to be changed. And so he was at this border, um, I forget the name of the border, but it was a lake and it was like, right, that's where he was. He was right before he was crossing over into the promise. And so before he could even cross into the promise, God says, I have to break this in you. I have to now change your name. And so for a lot of us, it's significant because we don't realize that we are in a wrestling season with God right before the promise right before we can step into the promise, right before we can go. And so that that was amazing to me. And then lastly, this is definitely lastly, the tendon thing, the thing about the tendon is when they touched his hip um, and, and that tendon that was touched is that it actually um, 
put a, a dietary restriction on the people of Israel where they honored what happened to Jacob by never eating that part of the animal. Now, although this dietary restriction was never placed on them by Moses, this was something that they held and they, and they, and they held true and they held as um, a dietary restriction even to this day. So they won't eat that part of the animal, but it's amazing how we can place restrictions on ourselves that God has never placed on us. But they did that to honor what happened to Jacob at that time, to honor the breaking that happened to Jacob. And so I'm going to also go even further and say, some of you have given up alcohol. Some of you have given up, you know, um, certain things in your life to honor the fact that in that breaking season, this is what you had to suffer through to get to your new calling. And so the way in which you honor God is by giving up the very thing and re or remembering the very thing that God transitioned you from. So I just wanted to say all that. That's one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite passages. I've always loved it. And so that is all I have to say. Man, she started off with just so like eh, gentle and then rah! just like spit fire. I was just sitting here like, wait, I'm trying to keep... That was so wrong. <laughs> Daniela, I, I, I said it the way I said it because you're in a process. So I want you to see something. In order for Pastor C to give you that revelation, I want you to see God. God could have told Moses to write, the Messiah to come came down and wrestled with. He didn't tell Moses to write that. God could have made it obvious exactly who it was but he didn't for past the c to be that convicted i'm not trying to offend anybody on the line let's be real here we're adults we're maturing disciples she has a greater grasp of the word of god so to be convicted she had to know Job. she had to know jude so what happened is daniela with the level of conviction in the spirit you had and the level of bible knowledge you had you drew the conclusions you did. As you continue to dig in, then these revelations, he left it for revelation. It says a man wrestled with Jacob, right? And doesn't mention a pre-Christ name. It doesn't mention a post-Christ name. It doesn't mention that it's the son of God. Why? Because it's a revelation. It's a revelation. It's released by revelation. So it says to hide a mystery is to the glory of God. To unveil it or to reveal a mystery is to the glory of kings. So he's making kings and queens out of you through revelation. Because God is not too weak to have literally bluntly said exactly what this, who this person was. But for the reason of revelation, he left it in a divine mystery. Divine mysteries released at an appointed time. For on this earth today, unless you're a Messianic Jew, you still don't believe that was Jesus. <laughs> to this day, because you haven't yet received the revelation, it remains a mystery. So... I want you, to, I worded it the way I worded it because I concur with everything Pastor C said and I could have just come out and just said, drop it. Drop it like a sock, right? <laughs>
But then you would have went, wow. And you would have missed out on this other part, which is what you're doing now. Discerning for yourself what you understand about it. Which is why I love Pastor C when she comes in here and she starts... <laughs> Is that you, Pastor C, saying that? Um, and what? I, I'm on mute. No, no, no. Somebody put in the comments. I'm just reading the comments. Oh, <laughs> oh no. I was just, I didn't, I forgot that there is a comment section in here. I forget it every single night. And oh, so, oh like 66 comments. So I was just like, if anybody said anything that I might have missed, I'm sorry, because I'm just now looking at the comments. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's going. That, that comment section is almost as deep as the, as the class itself. Hey. So <laughs> I can't even keep up with it and, and, and participate in the class completely. So the thing is that, Daniela, you need to continue on this pathway. Because the temptation will be, well, you know what? I don't even need to be bothered because Pastor C or Apostle or Pastor AK or Ernest or Apostle Jen going to come out with something and I'll get it. But that's not the way it works. It works the way you're doing it. So then you come to class, you had your revelation, and then Pastor C drops a revelation on you. You're like, wow, I didn't see all that. Right, because you don't have the same level of depth of understanding of the word. That's what the Bible says, study to show oneself approved, learning how to rightly divide the word of truth. So you guys are doing beautiful because you're reading it of what you know of scripture. You're coming up with an opinion. You're coming up with an interpretation. You're coming up with a prophetic understanding. Now you understand why going through the word in depth, the whole word is valuable because it modifies your thinking. So now, Daniela, you had an opinion. Then you come here and you hear a bunch of other perspectives and I believe the most potent perspective was the one that Pastor C gave. Now you have another opinion. Why? Because you got more knowledge of what? The word. She's pulling stuff out of Jude. She's pulling stuff out of Job. So all of you stay the course. This is, the, this is exactly how you're going to grow in your intimate and personal relationship with God. I have an older brother. I have older brothers and sisters. When I was five, they knew my parents better than me. That didn't negate my need to develop my own relationship with my father and mother. So you may encounter saints that are wiser than you. That doesn't eliminate your own need to continue to press in to develop your own interpersonal relationship. Having said that, I will tell you that I believe Pastor C's uh, rendition of, of those uh, of that account is the most orthodox rendition of that account. Also, okay. Can I say something real quick. I do have one thing to say. Because um, I got to roll on up out of here in like two minutes. But um, one, even listening to uh, uh, what Daniela was saying, she was breaking down basically the same um, perspective. It was just, I went into more of a detailed approach. So uh, Daniela, all of the definitions that you pulled up, the way in which you talked about Jacob's previous um, um, life and his, who he was before versus who he was after 
um, versus the way that it lined up with Israel and how you saw the typology continuing to go down the lineage was exactly the same thing that I was saying. The only thing is, is that I just cleared up the Jesus piece, but you were already on that track and I just clarified it a little bit more. So I just want y'all to know um, what, what we do is just clarify sometimes the perspectives that you already have, giving you more nuggets to go into deeper understanding. And so I, I do want you to know that we both, uh, me and Apostle did see that that perspective was the track that you were on, the same perspective that I said, I just went into, um, gave you more nuggets to add to the theory that you had already produced from your reading and your understanding. Um, and then is it Sharice? C H A R I S. Um, I don't it's know. Charis. It's Charis. 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 The Lord is saying that He cherishes you. Um, he's also saying that He's giving you new grace in this season. Um, he's giving you new grace. He's saying you have been struggling with a lot of things in this season, um, especially in your mind. There has been a, a breaking that's kind of been happening in your life. I'm sorry. Alex is kind of giving his commentary in the back by doing raspberry. So it's just going to add to the prophecy. Hope you receive it. Um, but the Lord is saying there, there are some things that are breaking on the inside of you in this wow. season. The Lord says that you have been struggling and the beauty of it is just like with the wrestle with what was happening with Jacob. God is saying you have been wrestling um, with him yourself and not just in deeper understanding, but in relationships. So the Lord is saying he cherishes you. He's saying you need to understand what your name means because your name means grace. Your name means to be, um, it's a grace. That's what it means. It really means grace in the Greek and the Hebrew. And so God has a certain level of grace on you and he's going to bring you into a new season. And he also is calling you a teacher. And so you're going to come into a season of teaching. And so I just thank God for you. I, I pray that you um, receive what the Lord is saying to you tonight. I pray that you put it all back at his feet. But this is about to be a new season for you. It's going to be a season of clarity. And it's going to be a season in what all your wrestling in. So don't, don't despise the breaking that's happening. Um, because the breaking is what's going to bring you to where God is calling you to be. Amen. I received that. Thank you. Amen. All right. So I love y'all family. I got to go, but I love y'all. I love you, Apostle. I love you, Apostle. Yes, I do. I love you, Apostle Jen. Where are you at, my sugar plum? Look at you looking out, crew and smiling. I do you know I got to love up on them. I love y'all, and I will see y'all at midnight prayer if y'all get on midnight prayer. Girl, Jen, you, you just got the light of God just shining across <laughs> your screen. Look at you. All right. I love y'all. All right. See you. Bye. All right. So as we continue to follow the story, Jacob has a dislocated hip. He now is in Israel. We know that that becomes the name of the entire nation. So he becomes the last patriarch. And the patriarchy then is split into 12 tribes. And the next thing you're going to see is an actual nation of Israel. Okay and Moses releasing the Mosaic Covenant. So we know that's what's to come. So we know that in part, him, Jacob, receiving the name Israel means the next thing is the nation. The patriarchy is over. Okay, and it's going to end with Jacob.
And so now Jacob gets up and he sees Esau. And when he sees Esau, he ingratiates himself to him. You can, you guys again have read the accounts. We're not here to read the account to you. And he's trying to make the peace with Esau. Esau is trying to give Esau something. Esau doesn't want to take it. And Esau shows that he pretty much is over it. How many of you feel Esau was really over it? Anybody feel Esau was really over it? Yes. Feel he was really over it. Anybody feel like he really wasn't over it completely? How many think Jacob thought that he might not be completely over it? Yes. Jacob, Jacob thought he wasn't over it. Yeah, Jacob, Jacob kept referring to himself as uh, Jacob kept referring to himself. Jacob kept saying, uh, your servant. <laughs> Every time he would talk to Esau, he'd be like, your servant is here. Your servant. Like, oh, yeah. He's still dealing with it. Well, yeah, if you read, if you read later on in the context, it says they both uh, were basically wealthy, and the land was not going to sustain both of them. So that's you know, but I, I do feel Jacob wanted to keep a distance, but the land was not going to support Jacob's flock and and uh, Esau's flock. Why do you think he would want to keep a distance? That's 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 the key there. What do you think was the reason why Jacob did not want Esau to travel with him? Jacob did not want Esau's men to travel with him. Jacob did not go back to the same landmass as Esau. That doesn't sound accidental. That kind of sounds deliberate, right? I don't want you leaving no guys here. I don't want you following me where I'm going. You go on ahead. We good. I'm going to throw my personal revelation in. I'm going to suggest that Jacob did not believe that Esau was completely over it. And he sensed that even the slightest friction or even just a change of heart could put him in a difficult situation. So he wanted Esau to go about his business. He wanted to make the peace initially. Now that we got the initial peace, the best way to keep this peace is to keep my distance. And he created some distance between him and Esau. Okay, and that turns out to be wisdom because if you read the Haftarah portion, so most of you have been focused on the Torah portion of the reading, but if you read the Haftarah portion, which is the chapter of Obadiah, you find out that the Edomites, who are the descendants of Esau, rise up against the nation of Israel when the Babylonians attack them. So they don't see them as close relatives. They don't they're not completely over it. And the few did hold some weight going through the generations. And the result was that the Edomites decided to stand against Israel and that allowed Babylon to run over them and to drag them into exile. Um, we're jumping through the chapters, but remember you're not limited by time and space. So you have the benefit of knowing more than they knew in the moment which can weigh into how you evaluate what happened in the moment, okay? So in the moment, it sounds like there's no beef. The beef's killed. Everything is all good. Jacob's good. Esau's good. And all is well and merry. But then when you find out that the Edomites don't really see the Israelites as close cousins, they don't see them as part of an intimate unified family and actually play a role in rising up against them to their destruction, so much so that God is angered by it 
and wipes the Edomites out completely. Then you rewind to Jacob, you rewind to Genesis 33, and you got to ask yourself the question, well, I wonder if Jacob was questioning how good this peace would last, which is why he kind of wanted to make the peace and then keep a distance. I'm trying to help you in your discerning in the spirit. The same way you interpret prophecy is the same way you need to try to intimate into text. When you're trying to intimate into text and make three-dimensional something that's two-dimensional, there are several things you're going to do. One, you're going to read other commentaries on other uh, spiritual sages than what they say on it. You're going to get the general consensus of the Christian realm, of the realm you respect, because, you know, there's an antichrist realm as well. You got to discern between the two. And then, of course, you're going to read the text based on your own understanding of scripture and your own understanding of the Bible. So when I first asked, how many think that they made the peace? And everybody was like, yeah, I think they made the peace. But then when I give you this added information that a thousand years later, okay, the Edomites are actually stopping the Israelites from fleeing the Babylonians and actually putting them in a situation to be taken down by the Babylonians so they can pillage their land. Um, now you got to rewind back to Genesis 33, like I said, and say, hmm, I wonder if Jacob knew what he was doing there, trying to keep his distance from Esau. Because, come on, how many of you have ever had a deep feud? And initially, because you miss somebody, you haven't seen them in a long time, you can get along with them. But then after y'all, I'll give you a perfect example. My sister went off to college. My, my sister was a lot older than me. She's passed away, Lord bless her soul. She was a lot older than me. So she was in college while I was actually in elementary school. And uh, she came back from college. And my mother, and me and my sister used to get at it all the time. Because I'm the youngest, she's the oldest. So she has the highest responsibility and I'm the most spoiled. <laughs> uh, that, so that's not going to work too well, right? The youngest and oldest, sometimes they clash a lot. Right. So I'm, I'm anxious to see my sister because I haven't seen her in a long time. My mother's looking at me and says, yeah, you anxious to see it today, but in two weeks, y'all be fighting. Mm -hmm. Now, me and my sister fighting is not going to be very consequential. But what would happen if Jacob and Esau started fighting? nations it's nations nations yeah yeah it's, it's a it it it's yeah i'm cracking up because when when god gives me commentary i'm i'm hood so i get the hood version of the commentary so <laughs> so when when he ran up on him and all i could hear and and, and he saw head is you already know what it is like bro like yeah, i may look like i'm smiling and i may look like this is about to be real real, real nice but um you give me a couple of days and I'm, I'm gonna get you back for brought me out of my, my promise and not just my promise but i gave up my birthright and i blame you for that and then mom and dad like you know mom liked you more so he had all of this animosity in him and then of course the promise went to jacob and then you have two nations you have two sets of nations coming at each other which the prophecy was already you know the nations will fight against one another but now these two seeing each other after a very long time Yes, you get that 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 brief moment of oh sis oh bro you know oh, bro, I miss you but then when you when you get to digging in them, them secrets because we all got families we all got siblings we all got secrets when you get to bring up that old stuff because mommy liked you more and <laughs> all of that stuff all of that stuff begins to uh cause that that war within that of course Esau he and he said it with his own mouth he wanted to kill him which is the reason why he was sent away I don't think those feelings kind of ever diminished. Right. And that's a wisdom that you need to get with that. Because think about this for a second. When you have deep traumatic encounters, 
and there's no authentic reconciliation, just a missing one another and a kissing and a smiling and a huggy lovey-dovey, but you never actually work through the problem. Certain non-egregious, egregious, certain non-egregious stuff, maybe you could overlook like that. But very egregious stuff, like I want to kill you because you stole my birthright. <laughs> that's not something you just get over and just start hugging and kissing and everything is going to be lovey-dovey after that. That talked out. That needed to be worked through. And, that, and it doesn't mean it's going to work through positively. It could work through where a person's anger is rekindled and now they cannot be reconciled because they don't want to reconcile. So wisdom dictated that we take the peace and keep our distance because nothing we discuss with him is going to change it and it's no sense in it staring at him in his face every single day who's going to end up with more flocks who's going to end up with more herds who's going to end up with more power who's going to end up with more blessing and then that's going to be in your face every single day and he stole that blessing from you so i think jacob had wisdom to say let me take the peace my brother gave me and let me keep a fair, safe distance. Uh, uh, Apostle, I was looking at um, just some background and when he, um, when Jacob gave, when he sent the gift, he said, please put up my gift that is bought to you. That's verse 11 and 33. When you look at the translation of gift, it it is the same as the blessing that he had stole from his brother so in the back of his mind that that blessing piece was always there that's why he like you said he wanted to keep that distance because he understand he tried to pay him back for what he did uh with the gift that he sent it and he and it was brought out by the way that he used the word gift he didn't use gift as a present but gift as a blessing and so it, was, it stayed in the back of his mind. And so he was right to uh, keep his distance. And he, he, you know, good thing he had that wrestling, that intimacy with that, um, with the angel that he wrestled with, because I, I believe it helped him to keep that um, discernment of, of, of the situation. Because now as we see, and as we read later on in Obadiah, that of course it didn't go that way that, that, um, people think it was going to go. Exactly. Amen. Amen. So the result is Jacob ends up a little bit displaced, right? Because he doesn't want to get too close to Esau. So now he's a little bit displaced and he's amongst the Shechemites, right? Uh, uh, the Shemites, rather. Shechem was the guy's name. Is the she uh, um, I'm sorry, I said the name wrong again. Um, what's the name of the people? The, the, the king's name was Shechem, but um, uh, well, we'll get to it when we get to the next chapter. So here's the thing. First the question. Hivites. Say again? The Hivites. Hivites, right, Hivites. For, here's the question. This is a very powerful question, okay? Whose fault was it that Dinah got raped? Chapter 34. Was it anybody's fault? Because I feel like it was, um, I forget his name, Sh Sh Shahim or whatever. I feel like he was just 
um, doing what he wanted to do. I don't, I don't know if it was, unless her brothers were supposed to be watching her. Um, I don't, I didn't see where it was anybody's fault that it happened other than she was a victim. Okay. Now, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't see that it was anybody's fault either. And uh, Tabita said the brother that raped her, it's his fault. The parents not paying attention. Okay. So somebody read chapter 34, verse 1. Now, Dina, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. There it is. Now, why did Abraham say that Sarah was his sister? You said what? Because of her beauty and, and, and all the drama it brought. Everybody wanted her. Everybody. Yeah, the people of the land would just take, just take the wives, just take any woman as their wife. And how were they going to take them? If Abraham had announced that Sarah was his wife, what was he afraid of? He would take him out. Take her by force. Well, no, they weren't interested in taking her by force. They were taking him out, killing him. The husband, which would free her up for marriage. Then the geek. Okay, what did? Why did Isaac say that Rebecca was his sister? Same reason. Same thing. Same bloodline. Man had experience with these tribes, these Canaanites, these people in the land. He had experience with the people in the land. And before they even got to those people, they knew they better forge up a hedge of protection against the ravenous nature that these people possessed. So the question I asked was actually um, a trick question. The reality is that sin begot sin is the fault of the person that committed it so the man that raped her is responsible for his actions but i asked him in that way to see if i could solicit this particular response and this is the key was it prudent for dinah to go amongst the women of the land no brothers no without a father to just go visit the women of the land. Abraham didn't think it wise to trust these people. Isaac didn't think it wise to trust these people. But Dinah just decides, and read verse two, verse two, it says, when Shechem, son of Hamor the Hivite, the ruler of that area, saw her, he took her and violated her. Now, Jacob was not with her, and the brothers were not with her. Verse 5, when Jacob heard that the daughter Dinah had been defiled, stop, so he wasn't with her. The brothers were in the field. It says when they got news on the field, they came in. So my question is, who was watching Dinah? Where? And then she was going to see the women of the land. So, you know, women, when they go to see women, usually go by themselves or with other women. So where was the protection? And what is your interest in these women of the land? God has already said that you are going to be living in this land. You're going to take over the entire land and that the people in this land have not yet reached the full measure of their sin. You are not of them. 
you have been separated from them. They are what they are um, uh, dedicated to destruction, and you are dedicated to eternal blessing. What was you doing wandering out there trying to meet them? It's funny because we were doing all those. We were praying today about making good choices. Can we see here where this whole problem was birthed initially by Dinah making some bad choices? You know, rethinking it, perhaps they didn't really enforce to Dinah the seriousness of going out and mingling with the unwashed, so to speak, with these heathen women. And she probably didn't realize the seriousness of it, of you know, the covenant that they had with God. And uh, now I'm thinking about it, yeah, I, I blame the family. <laughs> so either way you slice it, right, there's a problem. Jacob yeah. didn't say enough of the family history, didn't tell the story of Abraham enough, sort of like when you have a pastor who has a son and somehow the pastor grows up to be, the, pa the pastor is this great pastor and his son grows up to be a womanizer. He takes all the anointing and gifting he has to persuade women to get in bed with him or to do business or whatever and you go, how did this pastor raise this child? So how did Dinah think it wise to go mingle amongst these women of which the men of the area could see her and she would have no protection? Where did her education come from? How much of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob story was she told? How much of the promise was inbreded into her as knowledge? And how are you not knowing she's not amongst the tribal folk anymore and have gone wandered off? And was she advised not to go wandering off? <coughs> Do we have a problem also in this generation saving second generation Christians? Right? We have a problem with that, right? We're, we're having a real problem with parents converting their children these days. Children growing up, we always talk, we like to talk about the Jezebel spirit, the Antaliah spirit, the, 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 what's the other one they have? Um, the Delilah spirit. We got all these spirits. How about the Dinah spirit? Mm. <laughs> you got a spirit of Dinah. I see. <laughs> hey, but listen, hey, a guy could have it. I had the spirit of Dinah. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> Oh my God, where did that come from? That's true. That's true. Naivete, walking in harm's way, don't even know it. So for me, we all know the story. I, I try to hit the hot points because remember, you guys read the text in advance. But if there's any other aspect of this you guys want to talk about. But for me, all of chapter four is completely summed up in the first few verses. Now, Dinah, the daughter of Leah, had the, the Dinah, the daughter Leah had born to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land. Why would you do something like that? Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the ruler of that area, saw her. He took her and violated her. Mm. 
She should have never been there under no circumstances at all. Right. Yeah, I think she was trying to search out some friends, right? They had 12, she had 11 brothers. She was the only girl. I'm sure there were other tribal, in, in their tribe, I'm sure there were other people around her that had children and had girls. I'm I'm just having trouble wrapping around the the the, the statement of whose fault was it because I feel like um, I don't know if this is like I feel like Shechem did something that was inappropriate and maybe Dinah shouldn't have gone to that place in the first place you know maybe she should have been warned but like if if she didn't go there if she was somewhere else like could, could this still have happened like I don't know I don't know like I don't know the way I'm thinking about it like like I don't know but she I, walked to their territory so if she wasn't there I don't think this could have happened because Jacob and his brothers would not have allowed them to come into their territory for sure and also I think board. Heaven was just trying to get us to think about uh, the different aspects of the situation. So, of course, anytime somebody gets raped, it's not their fault. Um, but what could have been done uh, so it wouldn't have happened on, in all aspects, right? So, of course, if the person who raped her was a better person, it wouldn't have <coughs> happened. But what else could have been a, a factor? So, people mentioned how, you know, she had all these brothers. Maybe she was just curious to go see more women. Um, maybe she was naive because when you have all brothers, you're always protected. So maybe mm -hmm. she just had that, that, that grace, that, that ignorance of thinking, oh, wherever I go, I'm, nobody's going to touch me. But she didn't realize like, if I go out by myself, I don't have my brothers with me. So just, I think it was just to get us to start thinking, not to say that it was her fault that she got raped. Absolutely. The thing is, <laughs> that because that's, that's the facts is that a man's sin is a sin so that's his right. sin the whole nation was wiped out for it so he paid for it and everybody his father paid for it the people paid for it everybody paid for it but the thing is that i wanted us to look at it remember we're always trying to rewind this till today because we don't mm -hmm. want to read like it's in the stone ages somewhere because nothing new under the sun what's happening there is happening here today like you've got powerful men and women of God who have children that they are not imparting that wisdom into. Their children are picking up the and they're wandering into difficult, crazy situations, right? And the results are devastating. And then in retrospect, you'd go, well, if the parents had properly educated them, that might not have been the situation. But go ahead. Uh, I saw your hand up, Lauren. Go ahead. Yes. Um, my question is, um, outside of maybe this is just the custom back then, but why why would they let him marry her just off of the request to be circumcised? Like, knowing that what he did to his daughter, that was like the only stipulation. Like, was this like a business move? Because I know that they, they knew that that family had wealth. And outside of him, like in Dinah, the guy that raped her, um, their family desired to be connected with them. And so like, does it, I didn't get the revelation as to why they allowed that, um, that marriage to take place still. 
Well, whatever what we can only intimate into a lot of the customs that they have. Um, I guess we could also study, um, you know, secular uh, historians about different customs. But I think the Bible supplies enough information for us to understand. These people were somewhat savage, but what does appear to be honored is the marriage covenant. It's like seriously honored. And then, of course, after what happened to Abimelech, I'm sure that they all got that message on that one. And so then they really knew not to violate it, at least with the children of Shem. But the thing is that they didn't have a problem killing off the husband. So in Egypt, Evidently, it wasn't a problem either. They were going to kill off the husband. If he showed up and Sarah's wife, somebody would have told the Pharaoh, there's a beautiful woman in the kingdom that's going to mint points for me to tell this to the Pharaoh. And you probably want to, she's married. And the thing is, kill the husband, bring the woman to me. Mm. Ends a marriage covenant. So they respected the marriage covenant and respect life. Sounds crazy, but that doesn't mean yeah. be the case. Same thing with Abimelech. He, when he, when he got around Abimelech, he said, you got to say you're my sister. Because if these guys find out you're my wife, what's going to happen is I'm going to, one day I'm going to just turn up with an accidental stone slugged upside my head. And then you're going to be Abimelech's wife because they don't have no problem with murder. They got a problem with adultery. <laughs> okay. So what... <laughs> trying to do was make the peace with the Israelites by saying, well, let him marry her. If you let him marry her, then he will not have, quote unquote, defiled her because he would have honored her through marriage. They had no intention of going along with that at all. They used the circumcision as a strategy to kill him off. So it says in the scripture that they dealt with them deceitfully because they were angry about the raping of Dinah. And... Um, so they use the fact that they can't be amongst people that aren't circumcised. So they use that truth as a leveraging tool. Now, we might not, since we don't have a lot of adult circumcisions going on, a person getting a circumcised by day two or three, these guys are in like a serious weakness, okay? They're in a serious weakness day one, but it lasts and it endures for a season. They killed him during that period. So there was no, now the people made the decision to do it off of business. They said, look at the herds right. and the flocks that he's got. Let's go along with this deal because mm -hmm. ultimately their herds and flocks become our herds and flocks because we've intermingled with them. Mm -hmm. So their wealth will become our wealth. And the men of the kingdom went along with it. Hamar went up. Listen, let, uh, you know another side point? What was Timonese otherwise? Another piece of juicy points. Timonese loves the juicy points. Listen, Dinah might not have been that beautiful, but she sure had good children, right? I mean, excuse me, Leah. They were saying Leah wasn't that attractive, but she sure pumped out a gorgeous daughter because a man willing to go through circumcision as a full-grown adult and trying to convince his entire kingdom to go through circumcision full -grown adult, full -grown, as a full-grown adult to take just to get one woman, she must have been one hell of a woman, huh? Yeah, that's a lot to go through, man. <laughs> and you well, know, you know, maybe you were just a pedophile because it, it did say that she was really young. Yeah, this is just yeah, disturbing. She was trip. probably yeah. a teenager. She was a she was a teenager. And you know, it's almost certain death after you did that. Somebody that got twelve brothers, you know that that's that's night night for you. 
That's what I was going to say. I feel like he did all that because he was afraid, honestly, because I still feel like Leah had alternative needs, special needs, whatever you want to call it. And those things tend to pass down. Also, uh, probably like giving more reasons to why this young lady would just walk off. Maybe she was a little touched too. And now he did, he must, he raped her and he doesn't want to be God. So he's like, yeah, I want to be with her. I love her. So yeah. Cause it even, cause after that, we don't even hear from sis anymore. So it's just like, right. I don't know. But praise God. And so the beautiful thing about this is that you're <clears throat> the text and you're, you're, you're intimating into the text and you're also able to make relational correlations in life. When you read the text, like it's just blank text and he walked up on a mountain and he saw a bush that was on fire, but wasn't being consumed. And then the Lord said, Moses, come on now. If that was really us, we'd be quaking in our boots because we'd be like, what? You know, so the thing is that in two dimensions, it reads real dry. Right. But when you add a third dimension to it, I mean, come on now, the man is willing. We're not talking about we don't have urgent care. OK, we don't have hospitals. We don't have modern. I mean, what was they going to do that with at that age? And then if you talk about messing with the man's manhood at that age, and then what did they know about circumcision? Because they were not involved in circumcision. And then to want to go back in town and convince every man in the entire town to go get circumcised. And they okay. Girls that the, the Hivites are all ugly or something. There's no beautiful teenagers amongst. I mean, it's either one Angela's right. Yeah, he was scared. Like I gotta clean this up before we end up in a full scale war. But then it really is only twelve brothers. Yeah, they got troops there, but hey, they might be able to rally some other Canaanites. I think he was in love personally. I think he, the man was in love, and he was real. He because he says he talked kindly to her afterwards, and he seemed to be obsessed with her. But then it also states that he was honorable among most of the men of the, of, the, of the household. So like he was the most honorable one even outside of his father and all the other men. And he said that he really took a liking to, to her. So um, I can kind of, you know, go with that because it's just like he, 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 he was willing to do whatever for her. Um, and also his honor was a little different than his own father's. And they made sure they made that clear in the text that he was more honorable amongst all the men in the land of, of his land, not, you know, our side, oh, his side. He, <laughs> but, he, was the so, best, he was the best they had to offer, huh? Right, right, right. <laughs> well, then that makes me curious, and not to do this, because if, if it says she was raped, she was raped, but why, why do we believe she was raped? Did she, was, is there a verse that talks about her anguish and her frustration? Well, I think that's, again, a customary, that's another thing about custom so okay you're in the 21st century you're in a century in which there's a movement to establish womanhood as an identity worthy of equality with manhood they lived in a time where the woman did what she was told that's the bottom line that's your husband, that's your husband. i mean you see how they've been married off leah and and I don't know any woman that would sign up for that deal of their own, okay? So, um, and then if she was a teenager, if she might not, it might've been classified rape because she's not of age to consent. Even in our society, it's classified as rape if you're not of age to give your consent. 
So another alternative is just 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 to play the advocate of things is she's been they were there for a couple weeks. Maybe she knew that out in the city fields, people got it popping and she was just curious because maybe, you know, she's seen some things in her day and maybe she went out there and maybe she was just like, what's up? I mean, because if if you're a child and you're not supposed to be having sex and you get raped. Or you don't want to be looked at as a, a as a whore you're gonna say you got raped you know what i'm saying because i just don't understand my biggest thing is i don't understand why after they kill this man we just don't hear from her anymore i feel like that's very interesting i don't know that's just that's just my 25 cents but okay she may have she may have gone into a period of exile kind of a thing that's why we don't hear from her again Cause yeah, that's what that's what happened with David's daughter, right? When they when the one son slept with David's daughter, yeah, she kind of like mom. just Tamar. Yeah, yeah, yeah she on. just was like that was it. That she they he like ruined her, and she was you heard from her no yeah. more. She basically <laughs> slipped into a depressed state. And yeah, I think that's why I could, why you can kind of attribute it to rape. Verse two says that he took her, lay with her, and defiled her. And that's the very same thing that it was, was it Absalon or Ammon um, who did the same thing with Tamar. That was the exact, kind of sort of the exact same thing. He defiled her. Um, yeah. so I guess maybe that's where, we don't know, of course. He hated her afterwards. They raped, but it literally says he defiled her. So that's that's probably where I could see where maybe they called that uh, a rape thing. Um, again, um, <laughs> I just know, like, in the other Bible verse, when the young lady gets raped by her brother, there's so much detail there, right? It talks about uh, what she says afterwards. So it's just interesting to me. And hey, again, if she said, I'm just playing all sides. I, I'm just, I'm, this is what I do. I like to debate things. But if she says that she was raped, then amen, she was raped. And I believe that. But it's just very interesting. The whole situation is weird to me. This is your only daughter, and you don't know where she's at. And then she goes and she, she gets raped. Like, I feel like either she was set up to get raped or that she was out there to to have some fun. I know that sounds terrible, but it just makes sense. But the thing about the Bible is that God talks in parables. So when you read it and you go in detail, then you can say, just like when he talked about, um, I'm sorry, I'm looking at something. Just like when he talked about Enoch, he said that Enoch was righteous and then he said he was no more. So it seems like, you know, when we read it, God just, since it's, like I said, it's just a, a compilation of parables. I know that when I read the Bible, I look at things and it's like, you kind of like look at yourself like, okay, ooh, ooh, I'm glad I don't have those things because God allows you to correct yourself. So it would seem like that would just be maybe an example for young girls, you know, that you really should follow your parents. Uh, you, you should follow the laws that are in place to protect you. So, you know, you have your right to go in detail about it, but just like with Enoch, cause I love Enoch, I inspire to be like him. And he just took him up. It's not too much about Enoch, but he was just those sentences told of his righteousness. So, okay, I guess it's not that hard to get raped. I mean, because she got raped when she was a teenager. I got raped when I was five years old, and um, Aww. so like um, it's not. It's you know um, I. I don't think, especially in those days, you know, the the women would always are the, or, you know, are the servants and doing everything. So she was probably moving around, going to get bread, whatever happened. And he caught, saw his, um, saw her 
and probably took her. It's 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 not it's not that it's not that hard. Um, but also, were they um, the people who raped her? Were they also were they Jewish or were they? Okay, so some... the didn't exist yet, um, but they were children of Abraham. They were children of the promise. At the but time. they didn't believe in the. They weren't like. Um, they weren't. They weren't Semitic. I mean, they they weren't. They weren't uh, of of the seed of Abraham. They were. Yes, but the right. symbolism, the symbolism with that also too is that when Tamar's brother did that to her, I said that he hated her. Like, you know, it was just like a de demonic and evil. Because how are you even allowing that thought? You know, how are you even able to entertain that thought? Then you rape her and you hate her. So it seems like the gentleman that raped Dinah tried to clean it up because it was so much going on. But there's something wrong. But then you have people like um Jacob that worked seven years for Leah. And so some men aren't patient. It's just like, I just want her. And then he ended up, you know, reaping the consequences because you can't just do that to somebody. Right. And then and to Lauren's point when she was just like, well, then why would you let your daughter marry this person if they defiled her? Like, I understand it makes her an honorable woman, but that just don't make sense to me. Right. I don't believe, I don't believe yeah. that they ever worked. They weren't going to let her marry him. That was the setup to kill him. But it they, didn't really, I, I feel like, I feel like they could have just did it instead of like offering circumcision because it's like if you like the reason why I feel like this wasn't like a, um like an inside job is like she she initially went to go to the women of the land and then it says right after that that he seized her so he snatched her up pretty much like to seize to seize something is is to to, to basically like take it like you're just taking it no matter like what like right. you see like if they seize your assets type of thing. And so I don't think that, um, I feel like it's a, it was enough of them to just go ahead and murder the guy if they wanted to. Like, I don't see where um, a circumcision offer with, I mean, that's what happened, obviously, but I just feel like, I don't know. The whole story is just weird and disturbing to me to begin with. It was a <laughs> lot just in it. Um, and that's why I wanted to know. That's why I had initially asked that question because I'm just like, this is crazy to me. Well, it's, it says that that um, Shechem was a he was he had he had authority over that particular area, and so it because he held that authority, it probably would be easier for him to convince the other people because they were like in his care or in you know he was the. And in, in this in the um, translation I'm reading, it says he was the prince of that region, which means that everybody else was under him. So when he said, OK, well, we're going to we're going to go with this because we can add to our region. So when he got all the guys to go with it, it I don't think it was like, yeah, let's go. It was like, OK, he says we got to do this. So we got to do this kind of thing. And so but it but somebody just raised a good point because why didn't they just kill him? Well, if he was the prince of the region and they killed him, what would that have led to? That would have oh, led to kind of all out war. No, they had to be smart about it. What happened was they right. knew what was going on because I know I think like that. I'm sorry, I do. So what they said was, all right, okay, you raped my sister. And they said, you know what? They just followed, the, they used the laws of the land to their advantage. So since he was right. in control and since yeah. all of those men were there, they said, you know what? Yeah, yeah, you can marry my sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I'm gonna give you some gold. Here's some lavender. Yeah, I got that. Oh yeah. That's then it. you figure the thing is that circumcision is painful. 
So the fact that they had to go through that, and especially for a grown man, I cried when my little newborn was circumcised. So for grown men, you know, they say it's worse. So that was actually brilliant because all of his soldiers was down. And that's when they attacked to minimize the killing of his brothers. So that was actually brilliant. Right, exactly. That's how I'm gonna get somebody. Right. And I, right. I understand why they would, he would want them to get um, circumcised because of those Jews, I guess they weren't in the direct covenant promise that came directly from Abraham. So, and we know they weren't because they weren't circumcised. So in order to be drafted in to be part of the family, I guess that's why he told them, well, you have to be circumcised because this is the law that we're under. This is the the God that this is what this is what the commandment that was given um, to us. And, but and because you raped her uh, in those days, whoever you have sex with, I guess that's your that's your wife. Um, so um, now you have to marry her and you have to get circumcised because this is what has to happen. This is what it is. Whenever um, this is what it is when it, in those days and just being in the Jewish um, under that mosaic. Um, law like, they used his wrong thinking against him because you can't violate mm -hmm. somebody and think then think they're gonna love you he raped her you're not gonna love somebody that raped you so that mm -hmm. wouldn't have been right anyway they also showed that that's what they were doing from the beginning in verse 13 it says and the sons of jacob answered deceitfully like they, they, they was already let you know oh, okay my daddy exactly. right here. Yeah, so yeah, i'm gonna, I'm gonna keep you. a real flip with you because i don't i want to get in trouble with my daddy I know I gotta say the right stuff because you know he he with Jesus and them, so I gotta make sure I'm saying the right stuff. But bro, here's what's gonna go down: it's gonna pop off like this. Right. I'm gonna catch y'all on the anime, and then y'all already know what it is. Like <laughs> from the rip, that's, that's how they came from it. They already <laughs> showed. <laughs> and, 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 right, like you came for my sister. Like she said, you came for my sister. So here's what's gonna happen. And what, what was Jacob's response? Now look how y'all got me out here in these streets looking. Y'all got me out here looking real crazy because y'all done went behind my back and did this. But at the end of the day, I believe they already knew Jacob wasn't going to let him pop off. They already he, they knew he wasn't going to let him pop off. So they had to come, you know, real smooth with it. Like, because, you know, daddy ain't going to let us punch him in the face. So we got we got come the same way daddy would come. And then behind his back, you know, go for the gusto. I would have got them good. I would have pulled up with five cows, three camels, Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I'd have my sister looking real nice and some lavender, and then I'd have pulled a sword out. Like on the third day of them, the second day of them healing, I'd have brought her right in there and pushed her to the side and tore them up. Because you got to make them let down, let go his guard. So let me jump in for a second. I'm going to give you a couple of perspective points. Um, first is when they decided on what was going to be the Bible books of the canon, one of the things they would do is they came up with this criteria by which a book would be accepted. And then the kind of discussion they had is similar to the type of discussions you guys are having here about deciding what's the more orthodox commentary on the account. So one person postulates an idea, another person brings up a scripture that supports or refutiates that idea. Another person brings up another scripture and says, well, how do you reconcile this into it? And so in the process, they come up with a decision this is basically how these councils function. So I allowed you guys to entertain this on this level because look at how, you know, I was listening to you guys for a, a good, you know, you, you had it been at least 10, 15 minutes of it. And what's interesting is how boring has Sunday Bible school been? And now we can't stop you. So 
talking about the story and you flipping the story sideways and upside down and corner ways and you you bringing it to the 21st century you using it's weapons <laughs> it's 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 great but interesting points in everything that i heard there is nothing here that suggests that Dinah did not participate willfully. There's nothing here that says that she didn't participate willfully. What it does seem to apply is that she was engaged in sexual contact without marriage and that that is held to the responsibility of the man. Now we live in a culture today, right, where that's usually held in the responsibility of the woman. So we live in a culture today in which if a woman doesn't say no, then she didn't mean no. And if a woman doesn't stop you, then it was okay. And you agreed to it. But if you live in a time where you're assigned your husband, you're given in marriage, you're sometimes given in marriage as a form of a trade, you're married into situations in order to form business covenants for your parents. You're doing things for tribal alliances. Is it possible that a woman would be in a position to tell a man no? So then there's nothing in the scripture that says she wanted to or didn't want to. It never mentions that. It only mentions that she was defiled. Defiled means to be bedded without wedded. You see? And then at the end, he said, the brother said, but they replied, should he have treated our sister like a prostitute? So now treating her like a prostitute does not imply rape. But he seized her. That's the part that makes me feel like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I was out of turn for that. It just hit me. Go. Just no, so there you go. Go ahead. Let the spirit <laughs> use you, Lauren. Jump in there. Sorry. Jump in there. <laughs> I'm so sorry, that's like great. Double Dutch. It's double Dutch. Forgive me. No, I said I'm defiled. Sorry. That's rape. Defiled and laid with her. That's what the King James that, version that word. Like if it defiled said, is not nice. Uh, okay, so the thing is that spirit. <laughs> I love it because you see the passion, the connectivity. So I'm not telling you you she wasn't raped. What I'm saying is that Angela's interpretation that Dinah might have been down with the program is is not refutable because the concept of defilement means to violate a law. She violated, they violated a law because she was not his wife. That's why they wanted to reconcile it through marriage. Now, she could have been taken by force and went fighting all the way. She could have decided she didn't want to do it. But as Angela said, there is absolutely nothing that appears in scripture. Okay, so when they go through the land to slice everybody up, where's Dinah? She's with Hamar. In his house. Yeah, she's in his house. And it says they took her back. It's not like they've been killing people and she ran out the house like, thank you, come get me. So I'm not saying Angela's right. I'm not saying Angela's wrong. But if you look at just the, see now we, and I like this because she says, Tabina's throwing up them scriptures, boy, she got them flying. 
So the thing is, defile could be interpreted as he made aggressive moves to her to have sex and he was not married to her. It does not mean she resisted. And it could very well be that she didn't think she had the authority to resist because it looked and it looks, see, and this is beautiful. I love it to be putting up the comments there. But see, the reality is we're in a different cultural stance today than they were back there. She may not have thought she had a right to say no. She may not have thought she had an option to disagree. Like or dislike may not have been in her decision process because of the culture that they had of the time. I grew up in a culture where if a, a, a young man, a boy, a man uh, took a girl's virginity and refused, well, if he did that to a young girl, the parents on both sides would insist that this, that this boy, this young man, marry this girl. Many times, sometimes they didn't, sometimes they were like, you know, no, you know, the, the, the young man was just a scoundrel. But that was like, you're not violating my daughter and, 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 and you know, us ruining her character, you know, like this and leaving us, leaving her like this, you know, violated. And then it's going to be harder for us to find a suitable husband for her. So in many cases, in, in a lot of cases, <clears throat> that happened, there was a girl in, in the village I lived in and somebody did that to this 14 year old girl and the man refused to marry her. You know, he, you know, she was a young girl, he fooled her and, you know, and uh, I was a big dust up in the village. So, <laughs> you know, a real <laughs> dust up. <laughs> I understand because see, this is the beautiful thing about this is because what, what <coughs> take away from this this is what you want to, this is what you want to take away from this, is what's doctrinally established what do we know about the culture what do i feel probably happened just what i think probably happened and then you're hearing somebody say well i think because i think i take you she was raped the guy came he took her he raped her she's not nobody to fight back she's not like she wanted to, but she had no choice because that's the way it is. So that's rape and based on their culture. But it could also possibly be she was young. She didn't know no better, but they don't count that. Know no better or don't know no better. You grown man, you know that's not your wife. You take my sister and go knock her up. You're not, I don't want to, I don't care whether she told you no, yes, maybe that was not to be done. That's not to be done. That could all be um. That that's also could be an interpretation that's valid based on what we know of scripture. So I wanted to add something. Go ahead. Amen. Go ahead. I wanted to add something. Um, just um going into after what happened to Dinah. Um, there was just like a revelation that God gave me about Jacob and how there was a faulty covering. And even though he carried the promise, there were still flaws in his character and how he didn't govern his home, his household correctly in the spirit, especially by investing 
in the children because you can see by how Dinah, you know, she went, she was curious, she wanted to, to go along to see the Canaanite woman. And then you see how even when, um, you know, the men decided to, to be circumcised, the sons, Levi and Simeon, they were... <laughs> They went out and they were like, well, they ain't a process of healing. Let me just take them all out, you know? And you see how um, it talks about how, you know, Jacob was in distress about that and how his, you know, basically his household, well, prophetically, this is my revelation, how his household was just falling apart. And God had to tell him, I need you to make an altar and go make a sacrifice. And he went back to Bethel which is prophetically the house of God. And he had to make a sacrifice for atonement of the sins of the people and also his children. So as a covering, he also made mistakes. And like Apostle was saying earlier to piggyback, as parents, at times, we can do that to our children and we can have the promise, we can have the anointing, we can have the spirit deposited into us but we're not investing that enough in our children where you see them go astray, you know? And after, even when he made that atonement, it says that the terror of God fell on the towns. So it was a fear of God that they needed. And then God spoke to him again to reassure him in the spirit. Like, I know you, I'm sure he felt like, oh my God, what did my kids just do, you know? I went through all this. My kids just did that. But you see how God's faithfulness at the end, he still came back to the covenant. He still spoke to him after and said, you know, you will be called Israel. I'm changing your name. You'll be fruitful and, you know, be passed down to your descendants. So you see a lot of character points with um, not only Jacob, but God as well. I can see that because he didn't even he didn't tell them to get rid of their idols. Or right, fake yeah. gods until like afterwards. Yeah, yeah. He, must have been, he knew they were there. Right, because he told him to purify your clothes, change your clothes. Everything. Um, and then he said to get rid of the foreign gods and they had to take all the jewelry and they had to literally bury them. And then right. he mm-hmm. spilt the blood as a sacrifice. So um it's just crazy because you just see how prophetically how it is with Christ and you know and his sacrifice you know, for our sins. And when you start to see the connection in the spirit and, you know, I just want to encourage everybody here because I feel that sometimes when certain leaders or mentors speak on this call, people get intimidated. It's no special knowledge. At the end of the day, it's only one Bible, you know, it's about the relationship. And as you go deeper in the relationship with God, the revelation and the Rima word will come to you so don't get intimidated because somebody has a deeper relation. Oh, I didn't think that way. Oh, wow, this person has so much great wisdom. But it boils down to relationship. And when you have that connection with the Father and you incline with his spirit, you start to see things differently. So I just felt in the spirit um, to just say that, to encourage everyone that everybody here um, offers something. Everybody here brings something to the table of value in the anointing. So don't be discouraged. Yeah, everybody's at a different place. And uh, we're all we're all we're all running the race and we're all gonna get there. And yeah, nothing anyone says 
is too silly or insignificant. We're all learning. We're all growing. Amen. Jason, Jason, you had something to say. Boom. Okay. That's all. I know Jason said he wanted to say something back then. He he, he asked, could he say something? And he. Uh... Well, yeah, just to. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Yeah, I was just. Uh, my whole view on it. Um, yeah, and I, I, everybody brought up some really good points. Um, but uh, I, I guess the revelation I was picking up from that is um, she goes out seeking uh, fellowship outside of the house. Uh, did she receive warning? I mean, that's not said, but it, it might have been a warning um, given to her. But nevertheless, she goes out, um, <clears throat> she gets involved with this relationship with this man, whether it was willful or not. Um, nevertheless, it happened. And I think it was um, kind of honorable that, or uh, this gentleman was trying to fix this issue, and it says that he loved her, um, so he married her. And, and, it, and I think later on in, in the book of Leviticus, it talks about if a man was to lay carnally with a woman, that he was supposed to be betrothed to her if she's not betrothed to another. So it just feels like it was in line with the word. Um, and then they come into an agreement, they actually come into a covenant. Um, and that agreement was for the men, all the men to get circumcised, right? And I, I honestly don't see anything wrong with that. I see them trying to make amends and trying to come into covenant with one another. Um, and what I find unrighteous is the sons, the sons of Jacob or Israel going out and slaying them after they come into this agreement. Um, and you can see Jacob's distressing it, just like, uh, Apostle Jennifer just, just, just sharing that um, Jacob was called out to go back to the house of God to lay atonement for their sins. And, you know, just when she was explaining that, I was just, you know, he, he said to put your false gods away. So it just seems like they were being drawn away. And But you have God calling him back. Right. So they can re, be refreshed in the spirit, get back in lines with covenant, covenant relationship with God. Um, that, you know, that they will be cleansed. Um, but um, whether she was raped or not, again, I, I really believe it's based on the culture. If you were to lie with a woman, you were supposed to be married to her. Um, whether she was pressured in it, I don't know. There's, there's a, lot of, a lot of things we could add into it, but it just doesn't, it's not very specific. Um, but nevertheless, I think they were unrighteous, unrighteous in their judgment. And you can see that and God calls him back to get back in line with his with, with his will. Praise God, saints. Okay, so um we we Ray, we've really gone way over the time slot. And so I'm gonna we're gonna close out in prayer. We are coming back on Sunday. So hey, you guys can you're gonna get to go at this again. Praise the Lord. But we're gonna close out in a word of prayer. Um, there is a midnight prayer call um, that is uh, at the Church Philly. It begins in like one or two minutes, okay? I would encourage everybody that's here, whether you're part of Church Philly or not, to join in on that prayer call. It's a very anointed movement of God, amen? But we're going to close out with a word of prayer for this segment here, okay? So hang on, saints.
Father Lord, we just ask in the name of your son, Christ Yeshua. Lord, we, we had a beautiful time here sharing and going in and talking and, and really just trying to come to understanding. But God, you were there and you know everything that transpired. And we pray that you continue to illuminate through the power of the Holy Spirit. My Lord, there's nothing that, that systematic theology or, 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 or any philosophical way of interpreting the Bible is going to compare with your infinite knowledge, wisdom, and actual presence. So, Father, we just ask that you continue to illuminate each one of our hearts and you help us to continue to grow, take into consideration our commitment and our sincerity to serve. Father, we love you, but only because you first loved us. We thank you, and until we meet again, Father, may you hold us and keep us in peace. In Yeshua's name we pray, and the body of Christ says, Amen. 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 Amen.